0: More is not better. Better is better. Hey, y'all. This is episode number 101. So let's uh, let's get right to it. It has been an intense and crazy week, uh, recording this on the 7th of June, 2020. After lots and lots and lots of contemplation and listening and watching, yep, We're going to talk about anti-racism, and this one is for my white friends. If that right there makes you uncomfortable, I just want to encourage you to listen. I know that you haven't been able to not listen, and that's okay. We can do uncomfortable things. We can do uncomfortable things. So I am still very new in uncovering the ways that I am white <laughs> more than my skin. Um, I'm new to anti-racism. I remember a couple of very specific loving but precise conversations that people who cared about me had with me in person. And right now, a lot of this is coming up on social media. And man, is it interesting because social media, a lot of people are just yelling at each other and saying things. And it's real easy to get aggressive. It's real easy to get defensive. And rightfully so. People are mad and angry and hurt and scared. And I tell you what, Um, I get it. And I will never forget these instances where someone called me forward because they knew my loving heart. And so I know that the people that listen to this podcast are good people. And do you realize that you can be good people and have a good heart and not know what you don't know? And so I've been there, I'm still learning, and I just wanted to share a few thoughts uh, with you today. Um, after this week, I I had a lot of conversations. We had conversations in Soulful Success. I had a lot of one-on-one conversations with people who reached out to ask me some questions. I am not, my work is not like as in my professional work. I am not a professor, professional DEI and inclusion person. There are coaches out there. There are people who teach on these workshops and teach, uh, coach, and consult for you and your business. And that is not me. I am just a gal trying to do her inner work, trying to do her outer work, and willing to say something imperfect. And so I had a lot of conversations, and one of my girlfriends asked me. She just was really upset after, you know, she doesn't even really watch a lot of news, and, and she said, how do they cope with this? How do we cope with this? This is something Black people have lived, lost, and coped with every single day of their lives. It's like she got it. And I just said we have to grow our capacity. My friend also acknowledged that this will not be healed in a week. And it won't. But now that we see, we must intentionally increase our capacity for the long game. We do have our life and our work to do and still... Black Lives Matter. And we have a lot to undo in ourselves, in our societies, and systems. And so I specifically think and shared with quite a few friends and my clients this week, there are two places to do this work. And the first place that you have to do it is in yourself. And that is one of the hardest because we take it personally. And then the second place, which cannot wait until after we do the work within ourselves, is in our societies and systems. We have to take the next steps. Right now, there are so many more of us white folks that are starting to see, thanks to this week, awfully, I hate that it had to take this tragedy and these protests, but this is why I support the protests. A lot more people in my own life, some of my friends who are like, I never watched the news, I never understood, I'm I'm not racist, um, said all the typical things are starting to see. And some are starting to see with really deep humility. We've got to keep our eyes open and our ears open. We've got to listen. We've got to learn. We've got to pay attention to where money goes and money flows and where we spend it. We have to consciously think about how we can spend money with Black-owned businesses. If you need to now, here's the other thing. If you're beginning at this, beginning of this, there's a lot of learning that you can do. There are people that you can hire. There are books that, I mean, there's, there's so much. And it's not going to all happen overnight. But at some point, you might want to hire a DEI consultant or coach, especially if you are running a business or an online business or an offline business. There are classes to take. There are workshops free and paid. There are tons of resources for starting this work. Do not ask your black friends. You know how to Google. It's gonna take some time. Please don't ask your black friends to teach you. And you can Google that why too. Please don't say all lives matter. I That one, of all the dumb white things I've said, I haven't said that one and it drives me nuts. Please research that. Um, of course, all lives matter, but all lives don't matter until black lives matter. Research that. Do your inner work, do your outer work. Nope, it's not easy. It will take years. One of my friends said to me, I said, you know, I'm, the, I'm a beginner at this. I think my first real conversation about, you know, looking at my own white privilege was in 2013 with Sarah Alvarado, who is a friend and a client. And I have hired her from time to time for some DEI uh, anti-racism consulting I've hired her at times to to go through my own thoughts and questions and confusions. I've hired her to do uncomfortable work. Um, that was in 2013, and so seven years ago. And another one of my uh, friends and past clients says she started 25 years ago, and she still considers herself a beginner. And I love that. Um, it's not easy. It takes a really brave, courageous soul to drop their ego and not take things personally. And you will, your ego will rise up and you will take things personally. It will take years, but do it anyways, because we can do hard things. I can do hard things, you can do hard things. And I know a lot of times in the coaching, personal development world, we want things to be easy. But in wanting things to be easy... We, I don't know, I've copped out. A while back, I went through a lot of my website, um, especially the primary copy and stuff, and I erased the words ease, and I quit putting the word ease on my um, goal sheets and to feel list. And I then decided to change to I can do hard things, because everything I do want to do and be and create is on the other side of my discomfort and I spent years outsourcing it and it can cause harm in ourselves and our lives and definitely in other people. Definitely in other people. Anti-racism, you guys, is way more than a black square or a hashtag in a post and I know this week I can see the group think. And as a rebel... I have wrestled with, like, did I even want to do this podcast? Because everybody's going to be doing a podcast and sending an email on anti-racism this week. And, uh, you know, I, I know that a lot more people are waking up, and I'm grateful for that. And it's not enough to say something online. We've got to do our work. It is better to be a beginner than to look away. I'm a beginner towing since 2013, but it really took me the last few years to stop taking shit so personally. And I'll acknowledge, I did, I did not understand some of the conversations and some of the way people were doing things online. There's a lot I still don't understand. And I can recognize now when I'm taking shit personally. Because we don't want our little egos to be. We, we don't, I saw a video this week, my uh, coach Tara Newman shared it. I wish I could remember who it was by, but there was a man who was talking about, you know, our identity as good people doesn't want to be shaken and your ego will really jump up. And so just acknowledge that you can be a good person and not have seen this or not have paid attention. And now it's time to pay attention does not mean you woke up from bed saying, I think I'd like to be a racist asshole. It is so ingrained in our systems. It is so ingrained in our culture. It is insidiously silent. But once you start to see and whisper, then it's time for us to get up and do the work. And as I told one of my friends this week, who was like, how do we do this? It's like, this is not a week's journey. This is not all recovered in one week. It's not all healed in one week with one protest, one post. It is, it's now a lifetime of work that we begin to do. So I wanted to share also, it's interesting in the coaching world, I have a lot of friends who are like, I don't watch the news, I don't watch politics. And, and my clients know I'm very into politics. I told a friend this weekend, practically crying, I said, I'm into politics, not because of I'm into Democrat or Republican or I'm into these positions, but I'm into politics because this shit matters. I'm into politics because I care about human beings. I care about our society. One of my phrases is that I really do believe we can recover economically, but we can't, we can recover from an economic disaster, but we can't recover from another human disaster. Therefore, my politics lean left. Because while I do care about the economy, and the economy affects human beings, I see so many people choose their politics based on the money in their own house. And, dude, (laughs) I can figure out how to make a $1,200 swing in my tax accountant or in my uh, end-of-the-year taxes. But I, I can't be a part of something that... Ignores humanity, especially people that need more than I do. I know a lot of well meaning colleagues and friends who stay informed other ways, don't watch the news, and they certainly don't reach and study and contemplate the way I do. And I don't mean to be like, woohoo, I'm so wonderful. I'm just a researcher. I have a couple of, one of my friends called and said, I'm coming to you because you're the one who researches this. And a lot of people give the mainstream media and blanket think it's shit or blanket think it's awful instead of having a critical thinking approach to it. And that's what I try to do. I try to pay attention. I have spent more hours researching shit that I don't believe in to see what I'm missing often. And I don't know how many people actually do that. Ironically, my parents and my Baptist private school education taught me to research the shit out of things. And so I do. It's one of the things that's helped me in my life and in my business. And I also have been doing it around politics and racism. And um, those are the two issues that are on the top of my mind now, but a lot of things. As, our, as a coach, it's my responsibility and my best skills are about going deeper and deeper and deeper. Behavior change to be lasting has to be intrinsic and part of a new identity. And that takes time and work, lots of inner work. The outer work is easy. I used to belong to a coaching organization that just focused on outer work. And like, yeah, they covered mindset, but for mindset, you were just supposed to change it. Well, you guys all know, how the fuck do I change something that's so embedded in me? It's not like a light switch. You can't just do your damn miracle morning and everything change. And I remember um, I remember being in a coaching conversation where us coaches, frankly, were being bitched at and yelled at because our clients, you know, numbers were down and everything was about numbers, numbers, numbers. And one of my colleagues raised her hands and said, you know, maybe one of the important questions we should ask our clients is what else is going on in your life that might affect your ability to... Do this work inner and outer. So for example, her client, she had a client, I think, um, who went through cancer that year. Well, <laughs> when you have cancer, you're focusing on healing from cancer, not necessarily doing a lot of other outer work for performance. So it's very nuanced. So between research and coaching, it's, it's just what I do to go deeper. I, I think and overthink and process ad nauseum. Sometimes it helps me, sometimes it does not serve me. It's just the way that I have trained my brain to work or that my brain has worked since it was a little kid. Um, But I also know I can do hard things, and so can you. A few years ago, 2015 and 16, I those of you who followed me for a long time know when I went through my painting time and I led painting retreats and um, was doing my own interior work and I got certified in a year-long process. Um, I call it process painting. I don't call it intuitive painting because a lot of people, there's a there's a mislabeling of it but process painting is about painting not for performance but for the process and in that process at 45 years old I began to see that I could feel difficult things and it was actually a fascinating as I learned to not only do this for myself but facilitate other people so much of the emotion and trauma and things I had depressed down in my life began to rise up and At 45, I was like, oh, I've been depressing things down. That's what we do. That's what our bodies and our minds do. Our bodies and our minds don't want to feel uncomfortable things. It doesn't feel safe. And so through this process, I began to see that it's possible to feel and do difficult emotions. And anti-racism is a difficult process. Um, I also began to see that it was important, just because it wasn't convenient, it was important to do some of this hard work. Um, I can process trauma, I can do hard things, and not just because I want to be a more prosperous business owner. I will say that that's what led it into, but also I want to be a better human and citizen. I am still learning, and my intention is to slide into the home plate of death, still learning, still willing to be sore to grow. And in my unbecoming of a racist, I'm still so new. And yes, I said that. My sister has a phrase, racism is in her bones. And and she's right, it's in my bones. It's in my family heritage. I wasn't specifically taught to be racist, but I was born into a racist civilization. I was born into a white family. I was taught tolerance as a child. My parents told me, welcome anybody at the table and love everyone and tolerate differences. But who wants to be tolerated versus understood, appreciated? It was well-intentioned and a start, but clearly not enough. As an adult, it's my job to do even better and learn more than what my parents taught me. The platform of Facebook, which is kind of like my online office space, (laughs) I love it and hate it, but it brought me out of my bubble It introduced me to new people and ideas and information. And the more curious I became about people whose worlds and lives and difference, uh, lives and differences, the more curious I became, the more I saw clearly. In about 2008, maybe, a preacher Uh, Bill and I were at a a friend of ours house who's a preacher. We used to go to his church. And he asked me, you know, I just told him, I said, I'm not, you know, I, I guess you can say that I renounced my Christian faith. I mean, Christianity is a large part of who I was growing up, definitely is a large part of who I was intentionally as a young adult. And my views have expanded beyond that. A lot of the learnings and teachings I still get, but I guess she could technically say I renounce my Christianity. And he was like, but what? Don't you believe the Bible is the word of God? And I calmly said, no. And he goes, why not? And I said, I kept reading. That was a big moment for me to realize, you know, it it took a lot for me to question the faith that I had grown up in. It took a lot for me to question my salvation. I'm not really worried about my salvation. I wanted to be curious and I wanted to keep learning. And the more I learned, the more I could not be a part of something that excluded so much My values include curiosity and an open heart. And I tell you what, you guys, uh, praying for an open heart is like praying for patience. You think it sounds real pretty, but it's going to be a little painful. And so I keep learning. I have a long way to go, and I'm here for the long game, and I want to invite you to the long game, too. I'm still learning and increasing my capacity for hard shit. I resist it often. And when I do, life works better in my own world and in the world around me. I want to be better for the world around me. And so, yes, Black lives matter. All lives don't really matter until Black lives matter. It's more than a series of these incidents. It's systemic historical and entrenched, and it exists and impacts the life and nervous system of every single Black person in America every single day, every single cell in their body for generations. I cannot speak for what Black people feel. And white people, you know how in the last 12 weeks of COVID, we felt stress and uncertainty and the clench in your heart? Like uncertainty, and I've done a few recent podcast episodes about uncertainty in the nervous system. And I had an insight the other day that, you know, this is what we're living like in uncertainty because of COVID. Imagine the uncertainty of your safety every single day. Why do Black people have higher rates of diabetes and heart problems? Imagine that underlying stress every single day, the subtle trauma of an over-inflamed nervous system due to uncertainty for your life, for justice, for fairness. Imagine living in a world where that uncertainty, even if you're rich, is an everyday thing and a life and death matter simply because of the color of your skin every damn day my hypothesis is that that analogy is only a tt tiny sliver of understanding I can never truly get it why now Allison why now speak up all of a sudden about racial justice I examined in myself why this is different for me when I saw the horrific video of George Floyd being murdered I've seen way too many of these incidents over the years and heard the stories and said the names, and I've been appalled. I'm embarrassed to say that I saw the victims and their families and the communities, and I felt sad, and that good half-assed feel the injustice, and then I'd look the other way and go on because I have that privilege, luxury. What was different for me this time and yes, I honor the victim, but I saw the perpetrator's face. I saw that man's face. As he was murdering George Floyd, he was smug and relaxed and not even worried about being videoed or seen. He was going to do what America does, and he put his knee on that black man's neck until it killed him. He did not care. He did not care. And I saw. I saw the way it is, systematically and structurally. I saw that that man got that the systems and structures could let him get away with it. And you know what else I all saw? I saw myself. I saw where I've been indifferent. I saw where I did not care. I saw where I've been quietly complicit because I can be. I saw where I've been quiet because I've been afraid of doing it wrong or losing loved ones or whatever the fuck my pansy fear is. I am still learning. I'm sorry. I'm committed to doing and being better. Black people risk their life by living. So I will risk popularity or business or your condemnation or your unfollow or your unsubscribe to do and be better. I told my clients that to help them be and do better in life and work, which is my business, I cannot ignore this learning or this conversation, even in my business. I see that there are two simultaneous paths to take. I talked about this earlier. The unlearning of racism and resistance in me, the individual. And the awareness and dismantling of the racist and deadly systems and structures that absolutely exist in America today. They have to go on simultaneously And I'll admit it's taken me since 2013 until now to really get, I could intellectually get the systems, but like I said, I saw that guy's face and now, now I really get it. And I don't think I could have gotten it until I owned the racism in me, owned the white privilege in me, owned my fear of losing my white privilege of losing my safety I am committed to being sore and screwing up in order to grow. That to me is living big. We talk about living big in the coaching world, making big decisions. Big is not the money in your bank, it's who you be. If you need resources or guides to begin to do this work, I'm happy to share a few links and other experts with you. Again, I'm not an expert. And I have a few resources to get started and mentors and advisors and people to listen to. I have an episode where Erica Corday was on the podcast. She is one of my Black friends and colleagues who leads this work. Um, Sarah Alvarado works with a lot of white women who are new to this work. I have lists. Um, I have articles And I'm so thankful. Um, I, I shared some stuff in a conversation with a friend, and she told me she was up late researching and reading. And She was like, I really am starting to get it. Thank you for sharing all that with me. Like I said, I'm not the expert. I'm not the one you hire. I'm not even the one to have personal conversations with about that. I'm reserving that for my close friends and family and for my clients. Um, I'm absolutely more than willing to do that with you guys. And if you want to become my client, it's fine too. Um, But there are people out there that are better sourced as far as experts. I just wanted to be a white person willing to say, I get it. I know what it's like to be white and to be afraid to do this work. I know what it's like to begin to wake up. And I wanted to invite you to join me on this journey of listening and learning with an open heart and to grow our capacity to do hard things because it matters. (sighs) I'm over the police brutality and the absolution in the justice system. And I can't begin to help my communities, my civilization, my justice system, my country, until I begin to do this work in my own heart. And when I do the work in my own heart, I begin to see the possibility of change for the world. And I'll tell you what, over the last, I don't even have a time frame, but very often as I think and I, I research and I do and I pay attention, my brain gets overloaded and I sometimes feel hopeless I feel like when will everything really change and maybe I should just stick my head down and do my you know do my little coachy work and that's not who I am. It hasn't been I remember an incident in 3rd grade. I'll save it for another time but that little girl had justice in her heart. Um she had justice in her heart. And I still do. That's how I ended up becoming a coach. It wasn't necessarily about the kind of justice we're talking about today, but I wanted life and work to be better for all of humanity. And I can't work with all of humanity, but I can work with myself and work with my clients and work with my family and friends. And then we can spread that out to the world. So with that, thank you for listening today. And a reminder that this is the long game. This is not about 10 days of talking about this online. We have to go back to our regular life and work and not put this work down. I love you. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. As always, thanks for listening. I totally appreciate you thinking about somebody who might really love this episode and you sharing it with them. Also, I always appreciate your reviews. It's like podcast currency. It's like a tip in the jar saying thanks. And finally, if you want to share on social media, a screenshot, or any insights you get from listening to this episode, I will totally respond. You can share with the hashtag Better Life, Better Work Show. This show is sponsored by my three rescued dogs, Leroy Brown, Clementine, and Rocky Potato. They're here to remind you to consider adoption when you get your next pet. More is not better, better is better.